Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know, I knew. I knew Indianapolis was completely out of its mind. I knew, and I've told you this for years, if you listen to my local show, that the Indianapolis Colts were a house built on sand, a media-based, <laughs> a media-based illusion of a great coach in Frank Reich and a greater general manager in Chris Ballard. I've told you that Chris Ballard is a survivor. There are winners, there are losers, there are survivors. But I got to tell you, nothing, not even me, knowing the insides of this operation as I do from people inside, not even I knew what a blank show this thing is. And honest to goodness, I wish I had my football. Salute, Jimmy Ursay. Nostrovia, beans and disease, whatever you want to say, whatever you say to people that makes them go, hmm, thank you. I say thank you to Jimmy Ursay. Those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, Frank Reich, around noon yesterday, perfect timing for a dude radio show, was fired as the head coach of the Colts. And then all the local idiots started saying, well, they're going to hire John Fox. Well, they're going to hire Gus Bradley. Not I. I said they're going to hire the little slappy guy named Bubba Vatron or Patron or whatever the hell his name is. I said there's no way the Colts, who always, well, not always, recently, ever since Peyton Manning slash Andrew Luck retired, the Colts have always gone for the PR. They've always gone for the story. They kept a guy with goggles, Rodrigo Blankenship, as a kicker over Chase McLaughlin because of the story. The kid played with Legos. He had a girlfriend. The little writer, uh, Dana Benbaugh-Hunzinger, she wrote a nice little story about, oh, he's so cute, and he couldn't kick anything. The Colts love a story. So what the Colts do? They trot it out. Now, nobody loves the 2000s more than the Colts, ladies and gentlemen. You talk about a group that is stuck. The 2000s, all the OGs, baby. All the OGs. And I always say to these OGs, you guys, you walk around Indy like you're something. Like you're something. You won one Super Bowl with the greatest quarterback in the world. You went to two in 14 years. My man went to two in four years with the Denver Broncos. I got to tell you, it's the gift that came. So we tried out a new OG, a guy named Jeff Saturday, who went from big muscled up to skinny in shape in about two months. His head is abnormally large. So that means I love him because this head is abnormally large. He's a nice guy. I'm not sure I've ever met him. I was in an event with him, but I got to tell you, the last thing I do is go talk to old football players. They're all idiots. They're all meatheads. I don't want to hear from them. I got no interest. So I, I, yeah, hey, how you doing? Nice to see you. Goodbye. True story. I don't talk. I know if they want to talk to me, but all they do is talk about themselves. And as you know, I love talking about me. So they trot out Saturday. You know what the indie media says? I can read the headline. It, it's, it's a legitimate headline. Jeff Saturday is crushing it as a high school coach. The indie star. My friend, 
Dana Hensager Bimbo, Hunsager Bimbo. I don't know what, what her name is three names and I don't know what order. I know Dana's first, Hunsager Bimbo or Bimba Hunsager. I don't know. So she writes this article, he's crushing it. This is Indy for you. You know what his record was? Three and seven his last year, crushing it. 20 and 16. He had a winning season his first year when he took over for a guy who had done a good job there. It's amazing. So now here comes Jimmy Ursay. And what did Jimmy Ursay do? He got things a little twisted. All right? He got things a little bit twisted. He called the current general manager, Chris Ballard, whose record is 45-47-1, a winner. He's won at every place. He got it twisted with the previous guy, Ryan Grigson, who was 52 and 34, and he fired because that wasn't good enough. So Jimmy got it twisted, but it's not the only thing. Dylan, baby, we got to hear. We got to hear more from the great Jim Ursay. What say you, big boy? We're the fourth winningest franchise in the league since 2000. All right, that means in the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare. We are in the quartile of winners in the upper quartile. Uh, a friend of mine, the great Reginald Jones, says, uh, I think he meant cartel. I get it now. My friend sent me a text this morning. What the hell is a quartile? Actually, he said, what the F is a quartile? I go, F if I know. He meant the cartel. That's what Jimmy Ursay meant. The cartel. I could have had a V8. All right. So that's what he meant. The cartel. We're talking about drug cartels in Indy. Uh, let's hear also, if you don't mind, a little more from my main man, the great James Ursay. I don't know how to make sausage. But I don't know, I don't know what goes into sausage, but I do know how to build a football team. Well, I gotta ask you a question. Do you? I mean, do you? I mean, you, you trot out this guy, Ballard, who I really like. And again, I'll say it. I aspire to be as good a man as Chris Ballard and as good a man as Frank Reich. I do. Reich and I are the same age. Ballard's a little younger. They're great men. But do you really know how to build a football team? Do you? I mean, you got no wide receivers. You got no line. You overpaid people. You gave extensions when you didn't need extensions. All you got to do is think back in Indianapolis Ryan Grigson was smart enough to understand you keep players hungry. They didn't extend Andrew Luck until they had to. This group extends everybody, including Ryan Kelly, the center at $12 million, a right tackle named Braden Smith at $16 million, and, of course, a, quote, generational guard, our left guard, Quentin Nelson, who is just getting abused. He is currently 34th in terms of guards, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, he, ladies and gentlemen, got $20 million. It's the highest paid offensive line in the NFL, and the offensive line just gave up not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, not eight, but nine, yes, count them, nine sacks against whoever the hell they played. It didn't even matter. New England. Matthew Judon is still crushing souls. This thing was so awful that they tried a guy named Deion Jackson to block Matthew Judon, and it didn't work. All right. So Jeff Saturday becomes the head coach. He of the three and seven high school record. And we're all supposed to rally behind him. I know for fact. I got six texts when I woke up this morning from different NFL people talking about how blanked off 
NFL people are. But you know that doesn't matter, right? Because if the Colts win, who gives a rat's? whether Slappy Johnny, the assistant coach with the Patriots, is mad, or Mike Freeman, the writer nobody reads about and everything is racist writer for USA Today. Who cares what they think? I don't. I'm rooting for the Colts. But Saturday did say this. Let's show them what Saturday had to say there, Dylan. Shocked would be an understatement. Now, you're not going to like this, but I think Jeff Saturday's full of crap here. I think he's full of crap. I think Jeff Saturday's been working on this for a long time. And by a long time, I mean at least a week. I think Jeff Saturday is full of crap. I know for a fact that back in the day, uh, they wanted to hire Jeff Saturday in the front office. So this is BS. He knew this yesterday when he came on our station in the morning. He is lying to you there. He's been working on it. And I'll fight anybody that says that he hasn't been. I'll fight anybody. Because I know guys like Saturday. Oh, we're a preacher, man. He's a preacher, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. All the way he's going behind the back. Guarantee it. Don't even try that crap on somebody else, not this guy. No. What has two thumbs and can see through both? This guy. So Saturday knew. Ursay been working on it. You saw the residual. I kept getting texts from people in and around the Colts saying, watch, it's going to happen. Ursay is planting the seed. They're getting rid of Matt Ryan one game out. They're putting in Sam Ellinger. They're they're fired the offensive coordinator. Hey, guess what? It is what it is. You know, and to you people that say, well, they fired a black offensive coordinator. Let me tell you something. If you're going to coach, you're going to get fired. Do you want equality? What do you want? You want to keep a job just because? If you're going to be an offensive coordinator on a team whose offense stinks, I mean historically stinks, I don't care if you're black, white, green, or purple, your ass is going to get fired. Do you want equality or do you just want the job because you're black? I mean, just stop it with that crap. Now, I'm not mad at anybody, particularly African-American assistants that are on staff for being upset that to get passed over. A couple have been there a long time for a guy coming in here like Jeff Saturday. I would not be happy with that. But, hey, what are you going to do? Also, don't be surprised. This wouldn't shock me. Saturday doesn't want the head coaching job. He wants Ballard's job. And I'm watching Chris Ballard sitting there, and it's like, you know, the most uncomfortable thing ever. Ballard went from being arrogant Ballard went from knowing everything is right, Matt Pryor's our left tackle, to sitting there uh, like a guy that's on a date and his friend is actually hitting on the date and she's more interested in him than they are in the guy who took her out on the date. I've been there, both sides. It's not comfortable. There was a neutering last night. There was a neutering. And unfortunately, its name was Chris Ballard. Just was. Uh, Coming up, 915, Armando. We're going to get the national reaction, but I got it right here. I mean, I got the national reaction. You want me to to read it? I can read it to you. Uh, Dan, uh, this is from an NFL insider. I know for a fact coaches are mad about this, whole fraternity mad at this baloney and mockery. Dan, no matter how mad Ballard was, only a survivor would be okay with what transpired yesterday. Only a survivor. And I tell you this, in football, in coaching, there are winners, there are losers, there are survivors. And you saw the neutering. You saw a man up there yesterday and Chris Ballard. 
that understands as long as I'm in this job, I got a chance. I got a chance. But if I, reti- if I resign, if I get angry, I got no chance. But I got the job, so I got a chance. That's what you saw last night. I had a lot of people this morning ask me on Twitter, hey, look, why would Ballard go through that? Well, once you resign, you're done. It's over. No one pays attention to you anymore. Anybody heard from Frank Reich? No. Anybody heard the word Frank Reich? No. Why? Because Jeff Saturday came in there. Doc, here's a deal with coaching firings, and you guys know this. Think about your school. Oh, man, I'm really glad he got fired. Or, oh, man, that's such a shame that he got fired. Okay, who's the next coach? We all know that. Everybody knows that. By the time you go to bed, your concern when your coach got the ax was, who's the next coach? Unless you're a direct family member of the person that got fired. And then, of course, you got to deal with the fallout. When I told Bowling Green I wasn't coming back and Bowling Green didn't want me, we had a hell of a party. It was March. It was about 60 outside. The hockey coach came over. The football coach came over. All my boys came over. We had a hell of a party. But by the end of the night, you know the deal. Everybody was wondering, who's going to be the next coach? Well, the next coach is Jeff Saturday, and I am really curious to see how this whole thing plays out. I'm rooting for him. I, I, let's get Armando in here. Armando Segarra. Hey, Jeff Saturday, head coach, Indianapolis Colts. Give me a national perspective. You cover this league. What's going on? What's the reaction? What are we doing? What are we doing? That's the national perspective. That's, it's like, look, Jeff Saturday is a leader. Okay, Dan? Jeff Saturday was a great center. Jeff Saturday... Maybe someday I will be deciding my vote whether to cast for him or not at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I hope we have that option because he was great as a player, an improbable story as a player. But a head coach in the NFL, that is not something that I expected. I don't think that's anything that any player in that locker room expected. I don't think that's any uh, that any assistant on that staff expected. And I'd be stunned if Chris Ballard expected it. Leadership oh. does, is one of the uh, traits of a great NFL coach. It's not the only trait. And so what we're about to see with Jeff Saturday is an experiment. It's a Hail Mary and... You know, I hope it works for them. It probably won't. When you when you saw this, uh, I, I became the interim head coach at Indiana University's basketball team, and there were a lot of resentments there for a variety of reasons, not necessarily directed at me, directed at the administration because they fired the head coach and the players felt it to be unjust. Here, I think the players would agree, all right, we understand the business. Reich is out. How do you think a locker room responds to a guy who hasn't been with them in the trenches since whenever, August, when training camp started? Well, so there's two ways that this could go, Dan. Uh, first of all, we could go the, well, they're professionals. They get paid to accept and move forward and play at their best ability. And, you know, 
that that could happen. But they're also human beings. And they understand that, wait a second, um, this guy has a, as much experience coaching as I do. How is he going to help me be a better player when the guy that does have experience didn't necessarily help me be a better player? What is he going to do for me to empower me and put me in positions to succeed that the other guy didn't? It's all about what you actually accomplish and where you actually put these players that will determine how, you know, the guys around him and specifically the guys in the locker room will react to Jeff Saturday. If Jeff Saturday comes out there and it's not a, a different show, he's not helping players maximize, he's going to lose that locker room regardless of how much leadership he has. If, on the other hand, you know, he's actually changing stuff uh, and, and making that team... Uh, do different things, different techniques, different approaches, whatever, different motivation that that translates to production on Sunday afternoons, then then we've got something. But my my experience has been that typically when a team goes through a coaching change in the NFL, there's like a one week, you know, it's like a stock market. It goes like this for about a week. When everybody's fired up and the speech is brand new and, and you know, the adrenaline is pumping. But eventually, unless that guy, that new coach has a chapter two to his whole book, uh, you go right back to what you were before. And what the Colts were before is a middling um, team that isn't or wasn't going to make the playoffs and struggled week to week to barely, you know, just stay above water. You know, one of the things that's interesting um, in this whole deal, I talked to a couple ex-Colts players, and they're like, look, the guy has great leadership, but an NFL locker room is different. And one of them told me this, and this is something that I actually said yesterday on my show. He goes, Dan, after that performance against a rival in New England, as bad as it was, he, he's got nothing to lose here. You know, the, the bar right now is so low. It's not like he's taking over a team and they can drop. The bar is so low, frankly, that there's nowhere to go but up with this. Even lose by two and it's better. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, look, one thing that I have to point out to you, um, it, it was interesting that this is this huge exponential change by the Indianapolis Colts. And the first thing that Jeff Saturday says, or one of the top five first things that he says, is that Sam Ellinger is still his starting quarterback. And <laughs> uh, that's, Sam that's Jimmy Ursay. Uh, that's Jimmy Ursay. Well, that tells me that. Stuff is going to be not good. That tells me that if the <laughs> owner is picking your starting quarterback, you're not a good NFL team. Period. Next, next, next story. The owner gets paid to do three things. One, attend league meetings. 
And Jimmy Ursay, by the way, was interesting at that one. Uh, two, <laughs> provide the resources to actually help the team win. Three, stay the hell out of everybody's business. <laughs> Listen to what your experts that you've hired have to say. Nod and go to your owner's box and see how it works out. It's not, I'm going to pick the, the starting quarterback. That's not on the resume of ownership duties. That's not it. And the fact that in Indianapolis, it clearly is because, by the way, Sam Ellinger is not the first starting quarterback that Jim Ursay picks for the Indianapolis Colts. He picked getting rid of Carson Wentz. He picked getting, you know, I, I understand. My understanding is that Reich, Frank Reich wanted to roll with Carson Wentz another year. And you can say, well, that is so much, uh, you know, trading a, a donkey for a jackass, and, and I get it. But you know what? He's the head coach. He's the expert that the, co that the owner has hired, and the owner decided, I know more than the head coach, and I want a different guy. I don't want that guy. That's problematic. Uh, he also, I I'm going to go back. This is true. He made the decision, and only he could make the decision. Uh, I think it was Grigson's first year or maybe first day on the job, but he made the decision to get rid of Peyton Manning. Jimmy Ursay did. Grigson had to get rid of Dallas Clark and some of the Reggie Wayne, some of those guys. But he made the decision, to your point, to get rid of uh, Peyton Manning going back that far. All right, moving forward here, okay? Moving forward, um, if I were going to say to you, Armando, from a national perspective, all right, is this an attractive job? From a national perspective, would a guy like Sean Payton want the job? Will Chris Ballard, who looks to be completely beaten and neutered last night, is he going to have a job? Those are the two questions. Good enough job to get a guy like Sean Payton, and is the GM going to be in place regardless of what Jimmy Ursay says? Right. Well, obviously, we're going to have to compare to see what jobs open up, uh, you know, at the end of this season and when the hiring cycle begins to decide whether it's good enough. What I would say to you is good NFL coaches, great NFL coaches, coaches with options, they look at three things. Number one, they look at their quarterback that's on the ground, that's there, the quarterback situation. Do they have an elite guy or a guy that is bordering and, and rising to possibly being elite that I can turn into elite? The Colts don't have that. Number two, do they have enough resources in cap and in uh, draft compensation resources that we can turn what is a team that needed me as a new coach into a team that can retire me and I can work for for the next 20 years if I want to. Number three, ownership. Do they stay the hell out of my business and let me do my job and provide the resources for me to succeed at that job? I would say to you, in two out of those three situations, the Colts strike out. The Colts have a meddling owner. They don't have a quarterback, 
and they have middling, uh, you know, draft compensation and salary cap situations going forward. So, uh, attractive? Mm, maybe. The thing that I, you know, we always say here is um, Jimmy Ursay will spend. He, he will spend. Like, Jimmy Ursay is not afraid, you know, to spend. So, you know, again, the quarterback, look, I, I'm not going to say Sam Ellinger is or isn't the guy. I, I don't know. I mean, he looked fine week the first game. He got sacked nine times, was running for his life in the second game. You know, I, I don't know. But I do know this. They were one game out. They had a guy that threw 58 times in a previous game without being sacked, won the game, second in the league in yards in Matt Ryan. And, I mean, and then a backup that they had won a Super Bowl with and are paying $6 million, and they completely wiped those two guys out. Having said that, is this a tank job here in Indianapolis? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I, I don't think it's a tank job because they're going to try to win. At least the guys in that locker room are going to try to win. Look, um, I was in Miami in 2019. I know a tank job when I see one. It's when you get rid of all your, your veteran talent. It's when... Um, you get rid of your a better starting quarterback for an inferior starting quarterback. It's when you dump salaries. It's when you trade away, you know, veterans. So that's not where the Colts are at right now. And that hold on, been- hold on, Armando, hold on. Now they got one of the things about Ryan was if he stayed injured, they were going to owe him seventeen million next year. Second thing is. They just extended Naheem Hines, a big contract, and they just traded him, to your point. Right, but Hines, it was curious because they extended him, uh, obviously excited about him. They paid him, right? And then they used him less. So that wasn't a tank. (laughs) That was a coaching decision where the guy that we planned to – that we paid and we had plans for – we changed our mind. That's not a tank job. That's just poor, poor team management. Uh, I don't understand that at all. Well, who does that? Let's pay this guy so that we can use him less. Uh, there's been a lot of malpractice around here, Armando. And, you know, to your point, all right, so let's, let's move this forward. A good head coach coming in, and Jeff Saturday, I don't know if he's good or not, but he's got no experience. You don't have the guy that was calling the plays. You don't have the offensive coordinator now. You've gotten rid of him. We all, you know, Scotty Montgomery's been a head coach. He's the running's back coach. We kind of assume that he's going to be the guy calling the plays. Uh, That adds to this. You don't even have an offensive coordinator in there. Yeah, I mean, I I don't – it doesn't sound like Jeff Saturday was going in this direction last night, although he, he didn't commit to who was going to call the plays. Dude, let Matt Ryan call the plays. Right. He, he knows it as better right. as well as any of the coaches on that staff does. Uh, why not? He, he, he's actually called plays because uh, 
not picking them, but certainly transmitting them to the entire offense. Um, he's a smart cat, and it's not like he's doing anything, <laughs> you know? I mean, he's, right. He's your, so get something right. out of this thing. Get something out of this deal. What? You've got a head coach that's never coached before uh, collegiately or in the NFL. Why would you be offended and insulted about having a play caller who's never play called collegiately or in the NFL? I, I mean, I don't know. No, I, you're, you're making way too much sense. You are. I'm sorry. You just – look, and, and that's a big – I mean, I don't know. Is Jeff Saturday, in your mind or in the nation's mind, as you cover football, is this a slap at other coaches? There is a couple yesterday that were not pleased at how this goes. And, you know, there's various instances in the NFL where – Guys look around and go, how is that guy getting an interview and I haven't gotten an interview? How is that guy getting a job with those credentials and I have superior credentials and I haven't gotten a job? Just like in corporate America, that happens in the NFL. Uh, but the Saturday pick, that is extreme. That is really extreme considering they have two former NFL head coaches on on property in the staff and and they didn't go in that direction considering that it's not like they're going back and bringing Tony Dungy out of retirement you know they they're not doing that they're bringing their former center out of retirement <laughs> it's it, it's bizarre it's a strange move personally Okay, I'm a big Jeff Saturday guy. I love Jeff Saturday. I think he's a wonderful person, um, you know, and I, I love that he's a prayerful person. He needs to pray a lot to make a success of himself on this uh, on this watch. You are great. You brought it. I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. It's going to get interesting around here. <laughs> well, interesting would be the next step beyond bizarre. So let's hope for that. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Armando. All right, we'll be back. I got a lot more to get to. I'll talk about this. I'm going to give you my five, I don't know if they're the best college teams from the weekend, how to throw an election, and we'll continue the conversation on the Colts and Jeff Saturday when we come back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real Steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Oh, man, I'm starting to get votes today, and I don't blame anybody for doing that. Welcome. Uh, the fallout from the Jeff Saturday deal. You know, somebody's writing an article, African-American coaches are upset, and they should be. 
They should be. But don't be upset because Marcus Brady got fired. Marcus Brady got fired because he did a bad job, at least according to the people that are his bosses. And frankly, if you are going to be in a position of offensive coordinator and your offense stinks, I want to hear you whining about getting fired. I don't care if you're black or white. You know, if everything is going to be equal, if everything is going to be all the same, then guess what? Then you're going to get fired when your offense is bad, unless you want equal but special. I mean, maybe people want special but equal. If you want special but equal, then let me know. But if you're going to be on equal footing in the NFL, and that's what you want, equal footing, then Marcus Brady, as offensive coordinator, is going to get fired. Frank Reich, white head coach, he's going to get fired. Now, if you're mad about the fact that a white guy from outside comes in, I, you got a point there. You do. But I don't want to hear from people about, well, you know, they fired a black offense coordinator. No, the offense stunk. He was a coordinator. He goes. The team stunk. He was a head coach. Frank Wright goes. And if you don't like it, I can't help you. But, again, uh, if you are going to be upset because here comes this white guy from outside with no coaching experience, you probably have a point. However, if you are on that Colts staff, if you are on that Colts staff, uh, you better coach better. You're lucky to have a job. I mean, Reggie Wayne was supposed to improve this wide receiver room. Why? No reason other than he's Reggie Wayne. How does that guy feel? That guy's a legendary Colt. That guy's been grinding it out since training camp. And here comes a legendary Colt, another, quote, OG of the Colts coming in and getting a head coaching job. If I'm Reggie Wayne, I'm upset about it. If I'm Reggie Wayne, I teach my receivers to catch the ball better. I mean, look, when your team was as, as bad as it was this past weekend, then guess what? Guess what? You're lucky to have a freaking job whether you're white, black, or whatever. There you go. Who should be the next head coach? And you knew where this was headed. We all knew where this was headed, right? Always Peyton Manning. Vance Joseph, my ass. Kellen Moore, my you-know-what. Peyton Manning, bring him in. The heck? Might as well. Why not? But don't at me, people. Don't at me. Nuh-uh. No. And by the way, I am of the belief that the Colts are absolutely tanking. I am. I'm of the belief. When I started this show, or actually uh, when we started during football season on this show, I said to myself, all right, Colts have got a chance. Bad division. They believe in Matt Ryan. Uh, okay, I went to training camp. I did say this for people that remember. I said, I don't know how good Detroit Lions are going to be, but the Colts are the same as the Lions. I watched it myself. Fast forward, and then I got to get to some other stuff, including my eternal love for Lamar Jackson is coming back. Last thing on the Colts, they're absolutely tanking. Just, Just think about this. I want you to just think about this, all right? You get rid of your quarterback that you spend millions on. You got a backup that you spent lesser but still millions on that led you to a Super Bowl. A Super Bowl win, Frank Reich. You don't play either. Now, you can make the excuse that Matt Ryan is hurt fine. You can do that. But Matt Ryan's even said, yeah, I could play. But you don't go to the $6 million guy, the backup quarterback, Nick Foles. Instead, you bypass him to go to a practice squad quarterback. That's number one. Number two, 
you know Jonathan Taylor isn't going to play last week. Hell, everybody knew it by Monday. All right? So Jonathan Taylor's not playing. What do you do? You decide you're going to trade your next best running back, Naheem Hines, guy that you paid 20-some million to. Why? For what? For a guy named Zach Moss that is sitting out. Then that wasn't active. Then uh, a six-round pick. Really? Then you fire the offensive coordinator. All right, maybe he needed to go. Then you fire the head coach. And instead of saying, look, we're only a couple games out here. They've told us they think they're close. All right? Then they bring in a guy with zero coaching experience. Now, you define tanking to me. You tell me what is tanking. Uh, You tell me there's more to tanking than this, and I'll kiss your backside right on Monument Circle right now. I'm just telling you. That's it. So, yes, the Colts are tanking. 1,000% the Colts are tanking. It is a full-blown tank in Indianapolis. How is it not? Now, they may win a game. Hell, when the Sixers were, were playing, they might win a game. You know, and I'll tell you this, it's set up beautifully for Jeff Saturday. It is. You got Philadelphia coming in here next week, undefeated. Big game. You're the man. Man, but the bigger question is, how does the owner entrust this general manager to pick the franchise quarterback if, in fact, you are tanking? That's the question. That's something I don't have an answer to, but let's continue on. You know I have a weird, a very weird uh, affection for Lamar Jackson. That affection went a little bit south because he was struggling in the fourth quarter. However, however, I'm watching Lamar Jackson the last two weeks, and I'm like, no, 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 no. This team is back. Guess who's back? Lamar Jackson is back. So last night I'm watching, and look, it wasn't the Lamar Jackson show. He was a bit pedestrian, 12 of 22. What did he throw for? Uh, 133 yards. Ran for 83, though. And this is my thing with Lamar Jackson. This will always be my thing with Lamar Jackson. When you need him, he's there. Now, like all quarterbacks, went through a little bit of ish early in the year. He went through some stuff. He did. Big deal. Don't at me. I don't want to hear about it. Yeah, he went through some stuff. All right. Big deal. But you know what? He's through it. Lamar Jackson is through it. And I got to tell you, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Lamar Jackson's getting better. And they won again last night. So don't at me, people. Don't do it. Make sure that you understand Dockage is usually right. And away we go. Period. They won. They're going to continue to win. And people that I know, smart people, actually did not think they were going to win. Kenyon Drake running the football looked pretty good to me, looked pretty tough to me. 90-some yards. He was getting it done. This is hard to argue, this next piece of information I'm going to give you. Those of you that have listened to my show in Indianapolis, do you remember the epic interview we had with Lenny Dykstra? Do you remember the insanity Do you remember 
the absolute craziness that was Lenny Dykstra coming on our show. Lenny was talking about sleeping in the driveway of his neighbors. Have you ever heard Lenny Dykstra ever on a freaking show with Howard Stern? He is completely insane. So Lenny Dykstra, a Philadelphia icon, says, well, you know what? You know what? Jill Biden, Jill Biden, who is the first lady, the worst dressed first lady in the history of the world. And don't at me. My wife is right upstairs. She'll come downstairs and tell you that I know women's fashion like very few men. I mean, very, very, very few men. So Lenny Dykstra comes out with a tweet and he pinned it, which I liked, that says, since the doctor showed up, the doctor being Jill Biden, the Phillies went 0 for 3, meaning, <coughs> meaning lost three straight games and had nine total hits, including a no-hitter against them. Never underestimate the ability of a Biden to F things up. Famous quote by who? You're all's hero, Barack Obama. And then he hashtagged her, the cooler. Now, those of you that don't know what the cooler is, the cooler means when that person shows up, we all get cold. Whether it's at a poker game, the cooler shows up. Whether it's at the horse track, the cooler shows up. Guys are sitting around gambling, the cooler shows up. It's unbelievable. Hashtag the cooler. Never, ever, ever underestimate the ability of a Biden to F things up. Barack Obama said one interesting thing during his time at president, and that was it. Everything else is a compilation of books that he's read. But that one, he nailed right in the freaking jowls. And I mean right smack dab in the face. And it was absolutely glorious. And I ain't mad. I ain't mad at it. Because, well, it's true. We've seen it. Hopefully, you all vote it all out today. Hopefully, you all say, yeah, well, enough. Hopefully, you say, I've had enough of Biden. I've had enough of these clowns. I've had enough of idiots. All right, this is a disturbing story, and I want your thoughts on it. There's a kid named Mitchell Miller who's a good hockey player. Mitchell Miller's 20 years old. When he was 14, Mitchell Miller and a friend tricked a kid named Isaiah Meyer Crothers into eating a piece of candy that others wiped in a urinal stall. Students who witnessed it told the Arizona Republic that Miller used to call Myers uh, Crothers the N-word. He admitted to bullying it. Miller did a year of community service. Next thing you know, in 2020, the Arizona Coyotes, they drafted Miller. They learned of the bullying incident shortly after, and they renounced his rights. Fast forward to now. Last Friday, the Boston Bruins signed Miller to an entry-level contract. Of course, outrage ensued. Gary Bettman told reporters that the NHL was unaware the team was signing Miller. He stressed that Miller was ineligible to play in his league. He's not coming into the NFL. He's not eligible at this point to come in the NFL. I can't tell you that he'll ever be eligible. So the answer is they were free to sign him to play somewhere else. Should a guy really, truly 
be sentenced to a life sentence because of something he did as a 14-year-old? A stupid, idiotic, dumb blank thing he did as a 14-year-old. You know, every Sunday I go to church. And if I'm not, if I'm out of town, there's a church called Tr Christian Point, uh, Traders Point, excuse me. And every Sunday, the pastor there, and it's usually a man named Aaron Brockett, who is absolutely fantastic. And every Sunday, the pastor, in an effort, I believe, to, um, what's the right word, ingrain himself as a normal person to us, talks about how, boy, I am glad social media wasn't around when I was a kid, and so are you. And everybody goes, yeah, I'm so glad. And then they talk about forgiveness. And then they talk about second chances. And it's great. It's awesome. But we don't really believe any of that. We're so glad social media wasn't around. We're so glad people don't go back into our past. And we never forgive. You know, it'd be interesting if somebody sat down with this guy and said, hey, tell me your story. What happened here? Hey, I was really stupid. I can't believe how dumb I was. I was ignorant. You know, blah, 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 blah. So this guy's going to get fired, banned, expelled for something he did as a 14-year-old. The NFL is letting Deshaun Watson play. The NFL is, doesn't care. The NFL gave him a suspension. He lost some money. But once he starts playing early December, guess what? It's all over for Deshaun Watson. Sean Watson isn't getting a lifetime sentence. Nearly 30 women have accused this man of sexual assault, sexual misconduct at least. He preyed on women as an adult, yet he serves an 11-game sentence. But the behavior of a 14-year-old, a 14-year-old causes a lifetime ban from a sport? Look, this is bullying at its worst. This is horrific. This is pandering. This is saying, yeah, well, uh, we stand with whom? Who exactly do you stand with? Everybody's made mistakes as a 14-year-old. Everyone did stupid things, not to that level, but everybody did stupid things, and I'm not excusing what he did. But how about we talk to the guy? How about we find out his story? How about we see what he's done since then? You know, I get so sick of everybody saying, well, nobody lives a perfect life. We've all made these horrendous mistakes. Yeah, except when you do make a horrendous mistake and it goes against a certain uh, way of thinking, nobody ever thinks about forgiveness. Go to your church this Sunday. Swear to God, go to your church. Listen to what everybody talks about. Oh, my God, we're all sinners. Oh, my God, we need forgiveness. So make sure you forgive. Oh, my God. It's crap. I'm actually thinking about going back to the Catholic Church because there it's a very rigid set of rules. I know when to stand. I know when to kneel. I know when to stand. I know when to kneel. I know it by heart, and I haven't been there. I've been to this other church. I've been on a religious walkabout for about eight years. But I'm getting really tired of sitting around listening to people, particularly in church. Oh, and they raise their hands in this Christian church. Oh, yeah, forgiveness. Oh, yeah. Oh, we all made mistakes. Only perfect person ever to live. Uh, got nailed to a cross. We're not perfect. We should... For Bull! BS! It's crap! I'm not saying the guy should be in the league. I'm not saying what he did was right. I'm not saying as a 14-year-old that excuses you. But what I am saying is, how about instead of everybody persecuting this kid, how about Gary Bettman sit down with him? How about people sit down with him? How about, hey, man, what's going on here? And how about the NFL at one point in their lives show a little respect to women? 
Seriously. Guy's paid his debt to society, this guy. He's apologized. It's cost him two jobs. And now he's facing a life sentence for a misadventure or misbehavior as a 14-year-old. I, I don't know. I just don't think it's right. I mean, I've seen murderers get second chances in the NFL. I, I have. I mean, we got a white, we got, go look up Joe Mixon and see what that guy's done uh, and, and tell me that you're going to root for that guy. All right. I mean, people get second chances. I, I don't know why this kid has to have a lifetime ban, a lifetime ban for something he did as a 14-year-old. Man. All right. Elon Musk. See, here's the deal. Elon Musk is becoming my, what's it, my spirit animal. What the hell does that mean? Uh, you know what? I wish somebody, like, would come out and just smack me right in the head right now for even saying that garbage. But Elon Musk is, is, is entering the level of Lamar Jackson in terms of my man crushes. So Elon Musk says, hey, look, I always voted Democrat. I did, too. I voted Democrat. I did. I, I absolutely did. But now I'm not. I'm watching. I'm seeing. No chance I'm letting these people stay in office. Not a chance in holy hell. Elon Musk recommended voting for Republicans. Do we have Whoopi Goldberg's tweet? Oh, my God. Whoopi is leaving Twitter. Oh, my God. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to live. Whoopi Goldberg is leaving Twitter. All right. There you go. I recommend voting Republican. I recommend it today, tomorrow, and the next day. I grew up in a steel town. Uh, my dad was a Democratic lobbyist for the school union, but there's no way in hell anybody with common sense would do anything but vote for a Republican. Are you crazy? Well, they're mean. They ain't as mean as Democrats. Well, they're intolerant. They ain't as intolerant as freaking Democrats. The stock market was better. The freaking borders were secure. We weren't in wars. And gas prices were down. Make fun of me all you want, but that's all I care about. What can I tell you? You know, back in the day, if you remember this, uh, what's his face? The guy that invented the internet. I can see him with the rosy cheeks, the senator from Tennessee. That clown said that the polar ice cap was going to be melted by 2013. All the while, he made $200 million talking about climate change, Al Gore. I got gas. I got headaches. Vote these peoples out. Vote these people out. Let's get somewhere, somewhere, somewhere where we can get term limits and get all these people out. I don't care. I'll give you five ways to fix an election. You want five ways to fix an election? I'll give you five ways to fix an election. Is that the first one up or am I doing college basketball? Uh, oh, wait a second. No, I'm doing top five for Tuesday. I'm doing five ways to fix an election. I think. No, I'm not. What am I doing right now? I got these papers all over the place. <laughs> all right, we'll go with that one. Five ways to fix an election. You ready? Number one, fake IDs. Friend of mine last night, I sent him a text. I go, hey, a bunch of my friends from Northwest Indiana, look, you guys can say elections aren't fixed. That's great. But where I grew up, they were absolutely fixed. So fake IDs. The city councilman, later to be the mayor of Gary, was named Rudy Clay, Rudolph Clay. 
Everybody knew that Rudy Clay, you go there, you get a fake ID. I'm literally on this text thread with a bunch of my friends. I'm literally the only guy that didn't get a Rudy Clay. I had a place to buy beer. That's right. I did. I could go, what was the name of the bar? I forget. But whatever the name of the bar was, I could walk in. Guy be like, hey, Dan. I go, hey, man, I'm going to the beach with my girlfriend. He goes, here's a six-pack. I pay him, and away I went. I could, I could score, baby, <laughs> in Gary, Indiana. All right? So everybody else got what was called a Rudolph Clay. And you went in there, and it was a legitimate driver's license. I'd like to show you my friends right here. I would love to show it to you. Oh, look at that. Look at this fake ID right there. They got it in the left-hand corner. Yeah, I love it. All right, this was a big one in Northwest Indiana. You ready? Nursing home balance. So the guys, and this happens now, we all know this. Uh, the guys now go to nursing homes. The gals now go to nursing homes. And they change the ballots. Or they write in where they're sitting with Sally Sue, they write in who they want to be voted for. This was a big one in Northwest Indiana. This was a very big one. Nursing home fraud was unbelievable. And the nursing home was usually in it. The nursing home and the mortuary, I'll get to the mortuary later, were usually in on the voter fraud. The, mor the, the nursing home guy would come in, have about 20 ballots there, go to see people that didn't really, and fill out the ballot with the elderly gentleman or lady, and if they said, I'd vote for Dockage, and you wanted them to vote for Dylan, they would write in Dylan. Simple. Praying on our elderly is like an industry to Democratic voters. It's an industry, at least in Northwest Indiana, to the Democratic machine. All right? Next one, mules. Stuff them, baby. Get mules going everywhere. Million boxes here, boxes there. 2,000 mules all over the place. You'll know what I'm talking about. You watch the movie. Mules, baby. But I want it on more of a personal level. That's more on a national level. And by the way, why is the Department of Justice going into battleground states? Aren't they supposed to stay out of it? And good for Missouri. A couple places in Missouri saying, you ain't coming in here. No. Next thing, sign up empty lots as residents. Now, this happened literally at my house. My dad's friend, I'm not going to say his name. I think he's dead. My dad's friend came to the house. It was our house, empty lot, Melhams. My dad's friend came. He was running for something. He goes, hey, Tommy, I, want, I was sitting right there as a little kid, like 8, 10 years old. Hey, uh, I want to sign up your empty lot here. I need some votes. He goes, I got it all set. I just need your signature. My dad goes, I don't own the empty lot because I, I don't own it. Mr. Melham owns it. So Melham's owned a lot, so I don't know if he did, but he was walking over there. I wasn't in the meeting. But if you go through the Chicago Tribune, the Hammond Times, which I don't know is the Hammond Times anymore, or the Gary Post Tribune, about once every, I don't know, election cycle, they do an article and they show empty lots that people, voters, are voting from. Nobody lives there, but it's an empty lot. And it's got three to five voters usually coming out of it. I'm not smart enough to understand, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not smart enough to understand how to sign up a damn empty lot, all right? 
But one thing I do know, one thing I do understand is it happens. And those of you that say it doesn't happen, good for you. Good for you. Go live in Northwest Indiana and see what happens. Hell, I've told you this before. The guy that taught me a jump shot, Frankie Kalensis, is now in Greece. Why is he in Greece? He got convicted. Not charged, charged and convicted. Day of his sentencing, he doesn't show up in U.S. federal court. Where is he? Night before. He had skedaddled. The prosecutors and the judge made a mistake. They did not hold him without bail. They did not take his passport. And if they did take his passport, I've been told it wouldn't have mattered. One day on my show about eight, 10 years ago, Frankie and the fellas called in. They did. They called in from Greece. I'm like, hey, I'm not here. No, no, no. I don't know these guys. But don't tell me it doesn't happen. And then lastly, just sign up dead people. Again, if you don't believe me, well, you can't really read your newspaper. Um, Here's the deal. Um, You got to kind of, sort of, maybe find, well, I guess maybe newspapers will write stories on it. Yeah, I guess they will. Yeah. Uh, If a Republican wins, I think they'll write a story on it how dead people voted. You'll see it. It'll be somewhere. Watch for it. So fake IDs, get yourself a Rudy Clay. Change nursing home ballots, a big one. Obviously, the mule thing worked in uh, 2020. Sign up empty lots, saw it for myself, and sign up dead people. I'm handing you a blueprint of how to fix an election. All right, here's something I'm tired of. More than an athlete. More than a volleyball player in this case. BYU, and this is an exclusive outkick story. BYU's women's volleyball under attack again with no evidence by a group of young ladies that I would argue are full of crap. And they're being led by a coach that's full of crap. But hey, they say, hashtag, more than a volleyball player. It should be, hey, I'm aspiring to be more than sheep. Alejandro Avia, ace reporter for OutKick, joins us next, and I can't wait. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the OutKick network. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well.
You know, I was just telling Alejandro that my viewing habits have really changed. My my looking habits and Outkick at Outkick.com is my first place to go. Now, you know, people that don't like Outkick will say, well, it's far-right conspiracy theory. Shut up. It's the best sports site that there is with the best writing. Alejandro Alvia joins us now. You got a story that nobody else did, and I want to get into why nobody else in a minute. But Pacific, the young ladies at Pacific have decided to reopen wounds on BYU, not play at BYU. Walk me through this. That's correct, Dan. So this is all stemming from an incident that occurred on August 26th where uh, Duke visited BYU to play for a women's volleyball match. And during that match, Duke sophomore Rachel Richardson claims that she had heard a racial slur directed at her by a BYU fan. Now, anyone who's hearing that at first is thinking, wow, I really hope this isn't the case because that's, I mean, that's awful. Don't ever say anything racist. Racism is bad. Um, But... There was a lot of people that looked at that narrative, BYU being racist towards an African-American volleyball player, and said, let's run with it. Um, BYU launched an investigation. They found no corroborating evidence behind Richardson's claim, which Richardson's godmother, you know, vehemently stated on her Twitter that she was called the N-word in its entirety, which is, you know, just a really strong claim, um, only to find out after BYU's investigation with 50 eyewitnesses that were at the game this there's there was no fact to it so it really became an opportunity to either look at the details and agree you know and and just look at the facts and say yeah there there was no there was no details of a racial slur but a lot of the sports media sort of hijacked the story and said well we're gonna run with it because it provides a narrative that's you know fresh off of 2020 when black lives matter just boomed throughout sports media and to this day People are still using that narrative as evidenced by University of Pacific's decision to cancel a game against BYU, which, you know, South Carolina coach Don Staley tried that without any facts. And, you know, this is where we're at now, where we can't even accept an investigation. So University of Pacific, they canceled their upcoming game just abruptly. And now BYU's sort of left to answer for a narrative that was already kind of disapproved. So now we're, you know. We've got three responses, BYU's, Pacific's, and their conference, the West Coast Conference. West Coast Conference is, is essentially looking at this matter and saying, you know what, uh, we, we have to support our student athletes here with Pacific, and we're just going to back up their story, even though that same conference signed off on BYU's investigation months ago, saying there was no corroborating evidence, uh, there was no use of a racial slur, and Really, it's amazing to see that the story is still alive based on the narrative. It, 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 BYU had just played Pacific at Pacific. The girls wore Black Lives Matter shirts. They're obviously there. They got these little hashtags more than a volleyball player. I would argue they're okay. You might be a vo- more than a volleyball player, but you're just apparently sheep. Um, BYU, let me first, has there ever been any coll- collaborative? whatever the right word is, evidence for the Duke volleyball player, what was said to her and her mother. There has been none, right? None. Zero. Absolutely none. Absolutely none. And at first, BYU did take steps to try to mend the situation. I mean, they completely got rid of their student section to avoid any kind of heckling. And eventually, they they had to retract a lifetime ban 
on someone that was really at, just at the event and heckling Richardson or just Duke's side. So to to come out and say that, you know, a racial slur was used and this is sort of expected out of BYU's school is just, you know, it, it's sort of easy to just pounce on them for, for being a religious institution, truly. It, it, and that's the thing, like, I always say there are certain people easy to pick on, some minority groups, uh, some other, but a religious college that is seemingly all white, that's like the easiest thing to do, right? And everybody's going to go, oh yeah, I knew it. I knew it. But everybody deserves, my opinion, the facts to be told, not some kind of slant on no facts. Right, and there was a stream of the game readily available right after the game concluded, and people like, let's say, our founder, Clay Travis, he looked at that stream, and a lot of people looked at it and said, there's really no apparent use of any kind of slur, and just for things like that, looking at the game tape, Clay was called the right-wing extremist. So it just sort of shows you kind of where you're allowed to operate with these stories, where you can only sort of... um, guess it so much or you can only sort of not accept it so much before the sports media claps back and tries to shut you down for that. Yeah, it's amazing. No one's picked it up. Only you. Well, um, the second it came out, we really did our work. We tried to get in contact with people that were in the game, um, some people closely associated with both teams. And really, at the end of the day, no corroborating evidence. And the fact, again, that this still is going on where BYU is being accused of racism and Pacific is essentially getting the the ability to to cancel this game without any real repercussion based on the West Coast Conference's uh, statement yesterday. It's it's amazing to see. I, I, I mean, to the point here, um, has anybody else, you know, I know initially I read about Dawn Staley and all her antics, but has anybody else, since it, 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 it was shown that there was no evidence, other than Pacific, has anybody else canceled games with BYU? And has there been even a, a little bit of a problem since then, anywhere? No, so, so far it's only been South Carolina, which canceled both their games against BYU's basketball, women's basketball team, and Pacific canceling their upcoming games. So in both of these situations, it's really just – painting BYU in a really bad light and really disregarding any facts behind this story. And to me, at least if I were to guess, I don't think it's going to be the last time. What does BYU do here? Like it's, I know they put out statements and I know they were, you know, adamant in their statements both then and now, but it's almost like, I don't know. Now it's easy, right? You just, what what do they do? Do they have any repercussions So to be quite honest, I think up until yesterday was like probably the first time that BYU showed a little bit of bite in this situation because throughout their initial investigation, it was about a three-week process where they weren't coming out and, you know, denying Richardson's story. They were in a way saying, you know, we'll we'll wait for the investigation until we make that assumption Um, or even just that claim. Now they're, you know, the statement they released yesterday, they said they're deeply disappointed in this decision because it's really painting BYU in a negative light. And with that, I I think they're finally sort of responding with the intent of shutting down this narrative because they're starting to understand it's not going to go away if they don't shut it down. Right, right. Do you think they can shut it down? 
to be quite honest, I mean, when you have Don Staley, who's like one of the most powerful coaches in women's basketball, arguably the most powerful coach, and uh, a university like this out here in Stockton, California, I mean, Stockton, um, it's like people are just going to start clinging on to this narrative and saying, yeah, we, we sort of have an immunity to be able to cancel these games against BYU because they did it. And again, they're not really facing any repercussions for taking off with this lie. Let me ask you, this is something that I always thought of, Alejandro. I, I always thought of this. Like when I was coaching, one of the things, and this is probably stupid of me and maybe why I'm out of coaching, but I always thought to myself, how do – if they, I always told my players, if you get involved with hitting a woman, you're done. It's I don't want to – you're done. Because right. I want the women on campus to know that at least the basketball program and the – you know, is going to protect them. I wanted academic integrity because, well, I wanted our professors to know that at least the basketball program was going to support their, the university's bigger mission, which is academics. Have any, like, other than the athletic department, has the president of BYU or whatever they call, you know, the head of BYU, had the administration of BYU, not the athletic administration, but, you know, the school administration, have they been adamant about defending themselves yet? No. So, again, I think the statement yesterday was kind of the most punch that BYU has kind of come out with. And we had some people reach out to Alkick directly from BYU, and they said that the sentiment on the ground is just despair. Like, they're looking at this whole situation kind of with their hands tied behind their backs, saying, we, you know, all we have is this investigation to prove that this didn't happen. And... To see that it's still being hijacked for a narrative, I mean, th they can only do so much at this point versus not just the, the nationwide media, but also, you know, basketball teams uh, like Don Staley's who are choosing to adamantly put out this this idea that BYU is racist. So why would they want to speak up again? Clay's got a great platform and he was called a right wing extremist for, for even just looking at these details. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I, I wonder, like, I always wonder, and this is where you guys are great uh, on and being fearless on on our um, on our website and across the country on Twitter, because you, you got to stand you know, in this day and age. You got to stand up because it's almost like in this case, if people smell blood, you know, then there's going to be more and more and more of it. You got to do your best to extinguish it and almost punch back right in the face. Right, because, I mean, we're starting to get to the point where, you know, these stories come up and this was kind of dubbed Jesse Smollett on a volleyball court. People are, like you said, just smelling blood and saying, you know what, there's enough points, there's enough buzzwords for us to to sort of promulgate these stories. And, I mean, even for Pacific to, to come out before their game, which – Again, it's funny to think that Pacific and BYU faced each other just about a month ago, and now there's this sort of, oh, we can't even see them, we can't even play them. Um, the fact that they came out with the Black Lives Matter shirts ahead of the match just shows, like, again, this sort of just immunity to be able to send any kind of message on on this story and and really just take off with it. And, again, I don't think it's the last time. I don't either. Hey, man, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on. Great stuff. Thanks for having me, Dan. Appreciate it. You got it. Yeah, I mean, pay attention to this story because this is a this is a typical current story. It is. Somebody 
claims racism, somebody claims an ism, and then, of course, everybody wants to jump on them. And if, as Alejandro just said, Clay Travis, if he looks at it, well, he's a right-wing extremist. I have never even knew what a right-wing extremist was until I joined OutKick and the Indy Star called me a right-wing conspiracy theorist. I'm like, okay, yeah, I don't know. I just read. I like to read and, you know, get fat. That's what, that's what I do. It is truly, truly, truly amazing. And, and this is why it – Kurt Schilling said it about guys like Alejandro and, and our website. He said it best. It's sad that our website – is the place that people have to go now. It's not sad for us. We're glad. And we, it, it, you know, uh, Clay and the folks at Fox News hire, you know, ballsy people like Alejandro and Bobby, uh, you know, and everybody else. But it's sad that the national media ignores the truth in so many instances that us, we have to at least talk about the truth to get it out there. Like today, you got the Department of Justice involved in elections in, oh, shocker here, battleground states. Oh, really? Didn't see that one coming. Good for Missouri, man. Missouri, a city in Missouri said, yeah, you ain't coming in here. Yeah, you ain't, uh, you ain't coming in here. Yeah, how about this? We were in one of the first in line in Portage. We heard one of the poll uh, workers call over a supervisor. She said she was testing her machine with her own information. It printed a ballot, even though she said she'd already voted. We know, we know in Northwest Indiana, we know, we know the deal. Everybody else can act all indignant about voter fraud, but I grew up with voter fraud. Are you crap? Who are you crapping? Stop it, stupid. All right, Lane Kiffin. Wants Paul Feinbaum to shut up. See, I aspire to be the Paul Feinbaum of the Big Ten. <laughs> the Big Ten doesn't want anybody criticizing it. But Feinbaum has gone off. I mean, off on Lane Kiffin. The word they're using with Feinbaum, uh, excuse me, on Nick Saban is scorched earth. This is like, how do I put this with Feinbaum? This is like Feinbaum being a scorned lover and the woman that dumped Feinbaum gets in a situation that didn't work out for her. So now Feinbaum is reveling in the misery of that woman. The woman in this instance, of course, is our guy, Nick Saban. All right, but here's the deal. Lane Kiffin's like, stop it. Stop giving Lane Kiffin the, or stop giving, excuse me, Nick Saban the rat poison. He don't need no more rat poison. He don't need it. No more rat poison. Feinbaum has gone off. I mean, Feinbaum is calling, is calling Nick Saban everything, but, you know, I ain't even going to go into what he could be calling him. It's amazing to me. And Feinbaum gets away with it because he's Feinbaum. And he should. Say whatever you want, Feiny. So anyway, Lane Kiffin is saying, wait a second here. Stop it. He's tired of hearing about the end of the Alabama dynasty. He doesn't want any more goat fuel. Uh, This is what Kiffin had to say. I text Feinbaum on my way over here. 
when I saw his quotes like he normally does that says the Nick Saban dynasty is over and all that. Every time he says this, I tell him all he does, I call it goat fuel. Opposite of rat poison. You're just giving the goat fuel. So I really appreciate uh, (laughs) Paul saying that right after the game. No more goat fuel. Um, Now, you know, I love the fact that Kiffin is like, stop it. Look, uh, Nick Saban lost two games. Nick Saban may lose more. I don't know. Remember early in the year? Do you remember this? Last year's runner-up trophy was just put in the cafeteria. I'm not talking about runner-up in the SEC. I'm talking about runner-up in the country was put in the cafeteria as like a participation award. It was was besmirched. Hey, man, getting to the national championship game is a hell of an accomplishment. I don't care if you're Alabama. I don't care who you are. Doesn't matter to me even a little. Getting to that game, Oh, you know how many Big Ten teams have been to that game? One. One. Big Ten's got a lot of resources. Big Ten's got a lot of things going on. One. It's incredibly difficult. So, you besmirch it as you did Alabama. Karma bites you right in the rear end. And now you got a couple losses. And now homers like Feinbaum are coming at you. And I got to tell you. I'm here for it. Kiffin put out a tweet. How many times is he going to prove you wrong? Fine bomb, SEC Network. Stop it, please. Well, yeah. I'm not mad at Kiffin saying that. Uh, I'm not mad at Kiffin thinking that. Oh, by the way, do you know who Mississippi and Lane Kiffin play on Saturday at 3.30? That's right. Alabama Slamma. That's right. So, you've had a couple weeks off. You're getting ready to go. Next thing you know, you got goat goat poison. You're 8-1. You're Lane Kiffin. Another opportunity for a team to beat the goat and rush the field. How about them apples? That's right. God bless you. How about that for a slurp? You know, I am going to be your home for all things college basketball. In fact, last year I was, and this year I will continue to be. Uh, I will be your college basketball maven. I will be your guy that you go to and you say, hey, the hell's going on in college basketball? Well, last night, college hoops opened up last night. A lot of good teams played. I'll give you my top five teams. I don't know if they were top five last night. See, last night the average spread was 27 points. It was. I'm still disheartened. My boys at Illinois State in their first game lost to Western Illinois. My son's one of the coaches at Illinois State. That's their first game under a new coach, a rebuilt roster. Yes, I'm making excuses for Illinois State. No, they should not lose to Western Illinois. But I watched the game, and I got to tell you, even when they were up 13, I'm like, yeah, I don't know about this one. Illinois State. And we'll get what I thought uh, were my top five college teams from last night. Also, I'm going to continue with Jeff Saturday. A couple of things. Uno, which means one. 
You played 13 years in the NFL. You played as a center, like a point guard in basketball. In theory, you should be a decent coach, okay? Like, you're, you weren't. You were a mediocre high school coach. But you're a good guy. And look, I keep telling you this. Don't be me. Be a guy to everybody except on Twitter or except on here. But in my real life, I am a great person to everybody that I come in contact with. Not everybody my whole life, but, you know, you get the point. Better than, more, mostly good than bad. Well, Jeff Saturday got the job because, quite frankly, more good than bad. Didn't matter that he couldn't coach high school kids. Had no, 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 didn't matter. Didn't matter even a little bit that he couldn't coach high school kids. What mattered was that he was a good guy. What mattered, and I'll guarantee, I'll bet you, I'm gonna, I got to look, I just got a text from somebody in the NFL. Uh, I, I, I got, where does it say here? Uh, how about Ursay? Uh, no, 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 no. I'll let it go. But I got to tell you, how does Reggie Wayne feel? This came from a NFL guy. How does Reggie Wayne feel? Maybe if his group could catch a football, we would care. What happened with Saturday is the GM got neutered. What's going to happen with Saturday is the GM's going to get fired, and guess who's going to be the replacement? Think Chris Spielman of the Detroit Lions. Interesting. See, in Indianapolis, when in doubt, we go to the, quote, OG's of the sport in Indianapolis. The OGs that won one Super Bowl and went to two in Peyton Manning's 14 years. Uh, The OGs that saw Peyton Manning leave go to two Super Bowls in four years. Now, if it sounds like I don't have respect for the Indianapolis Colts OGs, you're not wrong, but you're not right either. It goes a little bit both ways. I do respect him. Hell, you play football. You're that good. I respect you. The other question that I have today, and maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but you know who Gisalane Maxwell is or Gisalane or whatever the hell her name is? Who did she sex traffic to? Why is she in jail if she sex trafficked to nobody? Does anybody have an answer for me on that? Can anybody walk up to me and tell me, you know, Miss Maxwell, she sex trafficked to who? And give me the answer. This is continuing to frustrate me. A woman is in jail for sex trafficking, but nobody that actually did the sex and the traveling slash trafficking is in jail with her or has even had their name put in print. This seems very odd to me. I'll give you one more. Jeff Saturday is being described as an advisor to this regime with the Colts. This regime is 45-47 and 1. What did Jeff Saturday advise? Did Jeff Saturday advise, I don't know, the signing of Matt Ryan? How about the signing of Carson Wentz? How about the overpaying of linemen? Did he advise the draft, which has been horrific? Did he advise for the trade of Naheem Hines? What did he advise? 
I'm curious because here's what the Colts are doing to y'all to talk like Jeff Saturday. The Colts are pulling one over on you. The Colts know people are going to have questions. So what they're saying is, well, you know, well, you know, Jeff Saturday's been an advisor, making it seem as if Jeff Saturday was somehow involved in the organization and somehow involved in football. Well, let me explain it to you. If he was, wonderful. But what did he advise? Carson Wentz, coming or going? Phillip Rivers, to stay or go? I don't know. Andrew Luck, to come, go? Give the left guard $20 million? I don't know. My head is spinning. I don't know what he advised. Please help. I was going to give you a phone number. Now, you folks on the YouTube chat, tell me what it is. What did Jeff Saturday advise? We'll be right back. I got a headache. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I hear you now. Hey, we're back. All right. Now we're talking. Uh, a little bit more on Jeff Saturday. So he is going to be the head coach of the Colts. And I hope they win. Look, I got to tell you, it's fascinating. There's a lot of different things Jeff Saturday put out that the Raiders look terrible. Well, guess who he's coaching against? The Raiders. The Colts signed, for people that don't uh, understand this, they signed um, Josh McDaniels to be the head coach. And then McDaniels saw the organization. He looked around, he sniffed around, and he realized what I'd been telling people forever and that Andrew Luck is not long for the organization because he didn't like being coddled the way that Pagano and Ballard were coddling him. So McDaniels said, nay, nay, not doing it. Um, And and, uh, now, of course, when you look at Jeff Saturday, you look at a guy – that's got a real chance to make a hell of a statement against a guy that they hired ahead of everybody in McDaniels and then come back and play the Eagles. Now, I don't think the Eagles are great. I, I don't think so. But I do think this. I think that if Saturday wins those two games, what the heck? Come on, Dan. He's not going to win any games. I know this. One thing I know is that the NFL product isn't great. Another thing I know, that Las Vegas stinks even when they're up 17. Other thing I know is that the Colts do have a decent defense. Last thing I know is that Derek Carr, my backside. Let's talk a little college basketball. Last night, November 7th, is the official date to open college basketball because college basketball, like the NBA, They're taking Tuesday off so that people can go vote. They care about voting. I've lived in this country for 60 years. They don't care about voting. They care about voting the way they want you to vote. So I put that out the other day. And you know what I got from people? Dan, who's they? Trying, of course, to insinuate, right, 
that they makes me a racist. No, ladies and gentlemen, they is the NFL. They is the NBA. They is college basketball. And what they want you to do is be as liberal as you can possibly be. If they tell you to go vote, they never cared about going vote, going voting until they had to try to beat Trump. So they want you to vote. So do yourself a favor, answer the call, go out and vote and wipe out all of these liberal crazy policies, wipe out all of these liberal crazy people. Let's get something going to secure our borders. Let's get something going to get the market back. Let's get something going to curb inflation. Let's get something going to do things with common sense, period, period. Let's do that. Oh, what a concept. I can't believe that came out of my mouth. I must be racist. All right. Last night we had college hoops. I'm wearing my Indiana shirt because Indiana beat Moorhead State by 726. I didn't watch a second of the game. No chance. I was watching football. And it was on like Big Ten Network Plus Plus. It was like, I don't even know what network it was on, but I ain't paying to watch Indiana basketball outside of uh, the Big Ten Network and CBS and, and Fox and Fox One. That's it. I'll give you my top five from Wednesday. I'm a big fan of this year's Indiana basketball team. In fact, were I to be you, now I'm not going to do this because I never win, but were I to be you, And I were looking for a national champion. That's right. I said it. A national champion. I would look at Indiana basketball. I would say to myself, plus 3,500. If I bet 50 bucks, I get 1750 back. Why wouldn't I? I should. The heck. That's a pretty good bet. It's a better bet than Michigan. It's a better bet than Arizona. Better bet than Texas. Better bet that Arkansas and Creighton, all teams that are ahead of them, Kentucky, North Carolina, Gonzaga, yeah, rah, go fight, win. But if you're looking for something, 3,500, look, you guys are rich out there. You guys got that kind of scratch. Do yourself a favor. Put a little money down on Indiana basketball. I'm doing it right now. I am. I'm putting 50 large on. I am. Now, Indiana's got this kid, Trace Jackson Davis, and he's fine. He's a nice player. He's all right. Uh, He's a very good college player. So they win by like 35 last night. It was the lock of the century. The line opened up at 21. But anyway, I just like the way Indiana's playing. They got two of everything. It's going to be very difficult to beat my boys at Indiana. I'm not going to lie to you. I can't decide if I'm going to root for Duke or not. Duke's next on the the list, and I wanted to talk about Duke. So Duke has an assistant coach. He's actually the um, assistant to the head coach, John Schreier. All right? So this head coach, a guy named Mike Schrage. Mike Schrage was a manager for us at Indiana. We had a million managers. Mike Schrage's dad, great guy, played for Coach Knight at West Point. Mike Schrage. Assistant coach, a lot of different places. I've known Mike since he came to Indiana. Mike Schrage decides, okay, I'm going to be a coach. Goes to Duke, goes to Stanford with Johnny Dawkins, goes to Butler, goes to Ohio State with Chris Holtman. 
Shroggy becomes the head coach of Elon. Shroggy hires my son, which I'm indebted to. My son is going to go leave Elon and go to Illinois State to be a full-time on-the-road, on-the-court assistant. My son was a basically an administrator at Elon. It's a hell of a step up. Shroggy chides my son about loyalty. You got to be loyal. My son, of course, knows that Shroggy is getting ready to resign in two weeks and leave Elon and go be the assistant to the head coach, John Schreier, at Duke. Hard to root for a guy like that. Not surprised about a guy like that, but hard to root for a guy like that. But I think Duke's going to be interesting. There's no no Coach K on the sideline, so at least they're going to be interesting. Coach K, he of the national champions, he of the sterling job with USA basketball. You can make the argument, I don't, but you could, that Coach K is the greatest coach of all time. You do you. But I got to tell you, in my world, Coach K is aces, and I'm anxious to see what happens without, without Coach K on the sideline and a guy like Shroggy hanging in there. Next on the list, Illinois. Why Illinois, Dan? Because I like Brad Underwood. I like Brad Underwood a lot. Brad Underwood's team played one of my college teammates, Marty Simmons' team last night at Eastern Illinois, and won by 30. Now, Terrence Shannon transfer from uh, Texas Texas Tech had a big game. A lot of guys going to have a big game for Illinois. Illinois forever was Kofi Coburn and that crazy point guard that made everybody nuts. He had the big hair. He was a Puerto Rican kid, and I can't remember his name, but damn, he was either great or he was horrible, but he was never boring, and that I can get down with. Now they got a bunch of dudes, and they can all play. Uh, They won by 30. Coach Knight taught me, look at the halftime score. You know what? When you're up and you win by 30, I don't care about the halftime score. I simply care that you won. Didn't shoot great, but still won. Illinois is a team that you all need to watch out for. And one of the reasons we like Illinois is because, ladies and gentlemen, Brad Underwood always comes on our show, whether it is here or whether it is on my show in Indy. And I like Brad Underwood. I do. I'm biased. I'm like the national political media when it comes to hoops. I like who I like. I'll tell you who else who I like. I like Gonzaga. You guys don't like Gonzaga. A lot of people don't like Gonzaga. I don't get not liking Gonzaga. There's nothing wrong with Gonzaga. Gonzaga played a team whose nickname is the Ospreys. Do you know who it is? I'll give you a minute. Do, 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 do. Nope. Of course it's in Florida. North Florida, Matt Driscoll, good coach. Lee Moon, good athletic director, made the NCAA tournament. I think they won a game a few years ago. But the truth of the matter is the Ospreys, for whatever the reason, decided they want to play Gonzaga. The final was 104 to 63. Gonzaga's loaded. Drew Timmy is back. Gonzaga's a national champion hopeful. Put some money down on them. You'll probably win. But the truth of the matter is, look, let's not even mess around here. Gonzaga is the favorite. North Carolina is not, but I got North Carolina at number one because I'm interested in North Carolina. This isn't the best teams. This is my interest level. It is difficult for me to get interested in much of college basketball. 
It really is. But here's where my interest is, ladies and gentlemen. Did North Carolina be, rebuild their program, or did they get hot at the end of the year? You tell me. I don't know. They won 69-56 to 56 over North Carolina Wilmington. Now, you guys disparage and dismiss North Carolina Wilmington, but North Carolina Wilmington, if you're going to be a mid-major program, it's one of the best. I'm not saying it's the best, but it's on the beach. They got a beautiful redone facility. At least they did 10 years ago. Maybe they even redid it from there. They won a bunch of games last year in a row. In fact, I went to Elon and saw them lose, actually, breaking like a 12-game winning streak. So North Carolina's playing them. North Carolina has a transfer. His name is Pete Nance from Northwestern. I would argue if you're relying on a transfer from Northwestern to help you out, you got a problem because everybody knows you go to Northwestern to lose. Sorry, but you do. Anyway, no Brady Manick, who was fantastic. He transferred from Oklahoma where, frankly, if you play for Lon Kruger and Oklahoma, you're going to win. I think Chris Collins is a great coach. I just think Northwestern teaches you how to lose in sports. It's just what I think. But anyway, Baycott's back, Black's back, Davis is back, Love's back, all the guards are back. But here's the question, and you're not going to hear this anywhere but me. Because Dickie V's going to, oh, and Billis is going to go, well, you know. And whoever else are the announcers are going to try to wow you with their X's and O's. You get real stuff here. The truth of the matter is this. The truth of the matter is, did Northwest, or no, excuse me, did North Carolina get hot at the end of the year? And they certainly did. So the answer is yes. Or did they rebuild their program? That's a great question. That's a question you're not going to hear because there's a big difference. Yeah, you get hot. Yeah, our program's back. Yeah, we're number one. Okay. Or did you just get on fire? Did you just get on fire at the end of the year? Did you just get to where we're making shots and everything's flowing? Teams can do that. I played on one, 1984. We went to the Elite Eight. We beat Johnny Newman, who was a 12-year NBA player. They had beaten Charles Barkley at Auburn. We beat Michael Jordan and Sam Perkins. We beat Brad Doherty and Kenny Smith all on the same team. We got hot at the end of the year. We lost because of me to Virginia Next year, we're in the top five. I'm looking around going, we ain't a top five team. We get blown out our first game by a good Louisville team. We write the ship, end up, we don't even make the NCAA tournament. We get to the NIT championship game. Reggie Miller, star of the second half, kicks my ass. What are you going to do? At least I was there playing. Anyway, long story short, that's my question. Those are my questions leading into college basketball. There are other interesting things. Michigan is an interesting team in college basketball. It is. Michigan's the kind of team you go, huh, my spies tell me, Seth Greenberg, that Rutgers is going to be really good in the Big Ten. Don't sleep on Auburn. They won by a million last night. Obviously, Texas uh, with the coach there, fantastic. But don't sleep. Don't sleep on some of these teams. Wait before we crown them as great. Wait, before we hear how great John Shire is. I always said about Coach K, yeah, he's great, but I wonder how he'd do in the MAC. I don't know. I don't know. We shall see what we shall see. But the truth of the matter is, this has got to be your home for college basketball. 
How's the Big Ten going to go, Dan? I think Indiana should win the Big Ten. I think Purdue's going to be much better. I think Illinois is uber-talented, and I think Michigan will compete, and Michigan State will be right there, and everybody tells me Rutgers, so what can I tell you? I don't know what I can tell you. So, it is what it is. All right, a couple other deals. Let me go through this. Let's go woke dope We're going early woke dope because I got stuff to say. I got a lot of stuff to say. Give me the woke dope for today. Does anybody understand? Can anybody explain to this idiot that he and the Democrats shut down jobs? Can anybody? Can anybody say to this fool, do you not understand? Of course he understands. Of course our beloved president is doing the things that Democrats and the Wokies do. They are slanting. They are giving no context. First one to say fascist, fascist, racist, or the other side sucks, wins. That's the world that we live in. So today you got an opportunity to change that world. How about that? A lot of people think it's going to be a red tsunami. I'm wearing red. A lot of people think it's blue by you. I got no idea. I know this. Don't count out the Democrats cheating. Don't count it out. I don't care what anybody tells you. I have seen it in my lifetime, in my household. A Democratic candidate What's that? Oh, anyway, saw it in my own house. All right, let's go back to something that I got to end with. When I come on here for the last two years whether or a year, whether it's been here or whether it has been on OutKick 360, what I try to do, ladies and gentlemen, is I try to tell you the truth on things that I know. And during that time, I have been crucified. I mean crucified in the national media. I've been crushed. I've been crushed by USA Today writer Stephen Holder. I don't know anything. Crushed by Chris Corman, USA Today. Dockich's radio show had a chance, but now he's just a mean bully. Greg Doyle at the Indy Star. That's all fine. But the one thing that I've always talked to you about is the truth. You've seen the truth now with the Indianapolis Colts. You've seen what I have been telling you. This is a house built upon what? Rock? No. Sand? Yes. And you've seen it crumbling down in epic proportions. Let me ask you this question. Those of you that are not Colt fans, I'm going to go through this with you. These are the facts. Colt's new general manager comes in, hires Josh McDaniels as the head coach. Josh McDaniels came from where? New England. Great. McDaniels is the boy wonder of the hated New England Patriots, but Keep your our friends close and your enemies closer. So here comes Mac Daniels. Although he didn't come, 
He took a peek, looked under the, the, the uh, drapes, peeked around, around the corner. No, I don't like it. Luck ain't staying. I knew that. Nobody else did. Uh, Luck got hurt. Nobody's saying the injury. Luck wanted to go to Hawaii to rehab. Nope. Next thing you know, McDaniel says, nah, I ain't doing it. Ain't happening here. That's number one. Next thing you know, all right, next thing you know, luck quits on their watch. Very sloppily. They've lied to the fan base. They didn't tell the fan base anything. They brought Peyton Manning out there to say that luck looks great. He's going to be ready to go. And literally a week later, they embarrassed Peyton Manning by luck quitting. That's number two. So they scramble to find a quarterback. They get Jacoby Brissett in here. He's been here on a, on a trade. Okay, guess what? They give him a big money deal. I'm going to bore you with the details. They tell us all he's a top 20 quarterback in the NFL. We've got, this is their words, a quarterback whisper, a great play caller, a great offensive mind in Frank Reich. This is going to be great. Last one year. Phillip Rivers then comes in. You know where I'm going here. Carson Wentz comes in. Carson Wentz is the guy. We're giving him big money. Big deal. He's our guy because I, Frank Reich, am his guy. We share Bible verses. Literal quote. We're kindred spirits. Jimmy Ursay's like, I don't know. Ballard and Reich say, trust us. All right. They trust him. Last one year. This year, oh well, here comes Matt Ryan. And they're dumb enough to say, we didn't even know. We had no plan. We're ready to go with Sam Ellinger if nothing worked out. Okay. Okay. Well, it worked out. But here's the kicker. And I want you to think about this for your general manager. If this happened, Frank, or excuse me, Chris Ballard, the GM, was asked, how long did it take you to evaluate Matt Ryan? You know what he said? One hour. Which is great. Fantastic. You're a savant if the guy can play. But when the guy can't play, people like me that have coached go, wait a second, boss. You're bringing in a guy you're paying $30 million to and you didn't do due diligence one hour? Okay. That's fine. If that's what you tell me, that's fine. All right. Now you got to fire Reich. You get rid of Wentz, fire Reich, fire Brady, bench Ryan. You spend $145 million on quarterbacks. And what are you left with? A six-round pick. That's who's playing. After $145 million, what do you have to show for? 45, 47, and one. How many division titles in the worst division in football? Zero. Oh, how's your owner been doing this? Well, he put a thing out last year that said, don't come to the building unless all chips are in. Okay, first game of the year, they tie the worst team ever. The team that all chips are supposed to be in against, they lose 24 to nothing against Jacksonville. Owner comes out. Owner says, hey, listen. We're going to beat the Titans. We've got to beat the Titans. The Titans are the team that we got to beat. Titans sweep the Colts. Now, let me ask you a question. Simple question. If you're the general manager, are you, quote, quote, 
are we, quote, in Indianapolis, lucky to have him, as Jimmy Ursay said last night? Or is the general manager lucky to be having a job? I'll hang up and listen. I will. I'll hang up and listen. So last night, even though I've been telling you this is a blank show and every media guy in Indianapolis has come at me with, I don't know nothing about football, blah, 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 because I criticize their blank kissing of this group. Even I didn't think this was that big a train wreck. Even I thought they would at least be a professional organization. Not bringing up a neutered general manager, not bringing a guy that's never coached except for going uh, seven or three and seven in his last year as a high school head coach in as the coach. And all the freaking owner can talk about is, I want to get this right, my friend Reggie Jones had it, quadrilles. What the freak is a Cortilli? I'm looking it up. I don't, I, I'm sure I don't have the spending on it. A Cortilli. I'm sure it's right. An enclosed area, typically roofless and arcaded within or attached to a building. Even I did not think they were as jacked up as they are. And I knew they were jacked up. I knew this was a house built on sand. I knew this was a fraud. They had me, man. Whoo. All right. Last thing. Get out and vote. Red. I think it's red, right? I don't, you know, uh, get rid of these people. Get rid of the people that are spending your money, sending your money to the Ukraine, get rid of the people that have pumped up your gas prices, cost you a ton on your 401k, get rid of the people that don't care about our borders, don't care about you, get rid of the people that care only about their own power. And if you don't think that's true, then you haven't been paying attention. There is an oligarchy out there. We know it. You know it. There is a deep state out there. That's not some conspiracy theory. Anybody with two brains or half a brain, excuse me, could figure that out. We all know this to be true if you've paid attention. If you're just sitting there like most media members do with the race to say racist or fascist or the race to do this, get on the right side of people, then vote for a Democrat. That's all you're doing. Let me ask you a question. Gary, Indiana has been under Democratic rule for absolutely ever. Uh, Always had a Democrat. Think about Detroit. How's that going? How's Chicago going? In every major city with the highest crime rates, how about New York? Been under Democratic control for 125 years. The definition, ladies and gentlemen, of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again and expecting a different result, and always do this. Find out who your local sports writer wants you to vote for and vote the exact opposite. Because your local sports writer, at least here in Indianapolis, has lied to us on so many occasions and has been slanted on so many occasions that you can never, ever, ever trust them on anything, and I mean anything of importance. Nothing. Zero. Period. 
These guys in India will tell you that Jeff Saturday was, quote, crushing it as a high school coach. That's what Dana Bembao Hunzinger, Hunzinger Bembao wrote. Dude was 3-7 and seven his last year. Dude went 20-16. and 16. You're going to trust Dana Bembao or Greg Doyle or whoever your columnist is to tell you or influence you how to vote? Are you insane? Vote the opposite. Hey, man, my newspaper said vote for Lori Lightfoot. Yeah, I ain't doing that. My newspaper said vote for Slappy Johnny. Yeah, I ain't doing that. I'm going the opposite. Should be opposite day. Today is newspaper opposite day. Vote the opposite. Maybe newspapers, because at least here at Indy, they got rid of all the journalists and they just have children. But maybe your newspaper has adults. I don't know. Ours doesn't. Vote opposite of whatever your local sports reporter tells you to do. Vote just straight ticket opposite of what, because your sports reporter is a freaking liberal crazy person. Otherwise, he would not be at a newspaper, a city newspaper. Don't fall for it. You fell for it last time. Don't fall for it this time. And go to your local polling place and help them count the votes. Hey, Ryan, Dylan, Aaron, Davey, everybody, Kahaley, thank you for everything. Great job. Great, great job. Thanks to our guest, Armando, and our guest, uh, Alejandro. Alejandro Avila and Armando Segura, great stuff on the NFL. And, of course, the story of uh, BYU being absolutely screwed by a woke mob. Look, we'll be back at it tomorrow. Can't wait. Get out and vote and get these people the hell out of here. See you tomorrow.